0: hey 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 welcome to the wealth and business podcast i'm so super excited and fired up to be interviewing and having a chat around financial protection around wealth being around how to pass legacy after generations generations and generations and uh, this amazing individual is someone i know in the industry quite a while now uh many years ago i've seen him win uh, you know i've seen you know done so many amazing things and we literally collaborated where he's now helping a lot of individuals within our community and so many other property community you know to really share people you know the importance of wealth transfer from one generation to generation and exactly you know how to use you You know, this wealth transfer sequence into building legacies, you know. So without further ado, I want to welcome my main man himself, Mr. Adrian Benjamin. Welcome to the Wealth and Business Podcast, my man.
1: Uh, Thank you. I've never had an introduction like that. (laughs) So thank you very much. That was good. Yeah. (laughs) And I'm happy to be here. I've known, I think, for a couple of years now and see how you just skyrocketed. And yeah, happy to be here on the podcast.
0: It's good to have you, my brother, man. It's good to have you. Yeah, so Adrian, talk to me. Like, you know, who is Adrian, you know, and uh, how did you become, you know, a financial, you know, uh, protection specialist?
1: Okay, it's it's kind of a long story. My CV is, (laughs) is quite varied. So originally from Manchester, I know a lot of people so the accent isn't there anymore. Traveled a lot. And I went to university in Birmingham doing business studies. And then I did a four-year degree there and a placement year for Bosch, German company in Worcester. And I always wanted to get into finance. So when I was 21, when I finished my uh, placement, I just went into NatWest and I was like, look, I really want to get into banking. Can Is there anything that you need to help with, anything you don't understand? Mm-hmm. And then the branch manager said, yeah, we've got this issue with this deposit box slip. So this is years ago where you'd put money in an envelope and basically put it down a box." And he was struggling to get people to use it. So I just came in and analyzed why people were using it, why not, um, how to market it and trying to make the product stand out really. Um, So that was helpful. And then the month after that, I worked for Barclays in the corporate division. Again, I wanted to get as much experience before I graduated. So when I came out of uni, I've I've got a job, Um, did my final year. And then when I graduated, I was fortunate enough to go on the Mountbatten scheme. So the Batten scheme is basically like a mini-apprentice. So you're getting graduates from all around the world. So China, Australia, Nigeria, America, all over. And we all come together and we, we study in New York for the year. So I, I was lucky to do um, investment banking for UBS. Um, so this was 2009. So kind of midway through the, the last major recession. So seeing that in real time and the effects of, of not doing a lot of, Analysis on risk was huge. Um, having that experience and obviously learning American culture, Swiss culture, just learning about loads of different people and traveling a lot, that was like huge for me for my career. Like, gave me a lot, a lot of um, confidence going forward. Came back, did recruitment in Manchester for about a year and a bit because I couldn't find any banking jobs in Manchester at that time. And then I moved to Royal Bank of Scotland when Royal Bank of Scotland was quite big back then, it's like 2012, I think. Um, in their invoice finance division. So again, understanding how banks lend money and how people apply for it. Again, first-hand experience helps with helping people with property as well. And then I wanted to move to London and I worked for a number of like small fintech firms. So I worked from like obviously large institutions and then startup companies. And then 2016, I worked for HSBC on the Ringfencing Project. So with the crash of 2007, 2008, The Financial Conduct Authority said we need to separate the investment bank from the corporate and retail bank. So if the investment bank does anything too risky, our money isn't affected by that. So that was a a huge project. And then I did um, work with Visa on their payment platform and then Bloomberg on their KYC project. And then I worked for Deloitte for HSBC. So again, it's a bit varied all over the place.
0: Wow. No, that's not, that's not all over the place at all, my <laughs> man. When I
1: speak to <laughs> recruiters, they're like, it's not a straight line. So it's like Manchester, then Birmingham, then Worcester, then New York, then Manchester, then Reading. And it's like... <laughs>
0: you know, for me, that makes it very unique because that gives you a very wealth of experience of countries, of nations, and also, you know, companies after companies, UBS, Visa, Bloomberg, Deloitte, Bloomberg, yeah. Like this a proper, proper large corporate organization, you know, you know, doing big things, you know, within the finance industry, you know, that for me is a it's a it's is huge. I mean, I mean, talking from the point of my, you know, from where I, you know, where I started or where I am, you know, I've never had a corporate background experience in my life. I never had a corporate job, you know, kudos to you, man. That's quite a large, very, very large, you know, CV. And obviously that gives you a lot of credibility when you're trying to talk about finance. So, guys, listen. I need everyone to pay attention. The guys worked everywhere. <laughs> so pay attention. This guy's going to be talking about, you know, financial protection. And I really want everyone to pay attention. So that gives you, like, that literally gives you some some of really great credibility, man. Well done, well done, well done. Yeah, you, no, and I
1: think, you know, I'll, I'll get to how I kind of fell into it. I've always, even when I was 18, I've always wanted to work for the best and biggest companies yeah. in the world. So all the companies I've listed they're good at individual things. So back then, NatWest was the biggest retail bank in the country. So if, like, if I get that experience, that's gonna help if yeah. I go anywhere else. And then Barclays corporate were huge. And then I'm happy about the fact that I got to experience investment banking at that time, yeah. especially at 22. So that part really was huge for my career. I was like, you yeah, look, I'm, I'm the only person like me in that building, coming from Manchester as well. I know that accent isn't there anymore, but that was like huge where there was a lot of, you know, redundancies and things like that, seeing that firsthand and, and what happens if you don't look at risk properly. Yeah. And that really catapulted my career, really. So uh, massive kudos to everyone at Mountbatten, all the Mountbatten interns worldwide. There's not a lot of us, but that year you all come together. You know, there's there's six of us in a flat, right? So I was one of the youngest ones on the, on the course. I was 22. But then you've got people that are 30. You've got people with other degrees. You've got all these different... Nationalities and egos all coming together, and you've got to make it work. So when I say it was kind of like a mini apprentice, like it really is. There's 200 interns all living together, all doing these these really serious jobs, and then you've got to study at the same time. Okay. So I got I did a third of my masters out there um, in international business. So it's it's an experience which I couldn't recommend more for any other any young people. Like definitely, if you can apply for the batten scheme it will really kickstart your career
0: yeah absolutely i mean talking about diversity as well you know this corporate organisation you know is you know being able to penetrate in this kind of you know as a, you know as as someone from the you know ethnic minority you know from diversity as well this is something that you don't really find all the time as well so you know well done well done on you man but i
1: want to touch on diversity as well because i think if you're not in finance you don't really see it yeah. So when I was at UBS, um, my second boss, Lemmy, he was from South Africa and there are a lot of other people, you know, who are black. So it was, I was, I'm not bothered anyway, but seeing it in real time, if you're not in the know, you're not going to know,
0: right? Yeah.
1: And then my best friend, Patrick, he was working at Deutsche Bank at the time on Wall Street, right? So again, seeing that stuff because how they portray finance and stuff in films and in real life are kind of two different yeah, things. True. But again, like I said, having that experience of being in a huge corporate organization. So I think there was one day where we had like an induction day and there was like some senior global head of something. He was like, oh, hey, how are you doing? How you finding America? You know, being a bit British and everything like that. I was like, yeah, it's cool. It's fine. You know, I'm, I'm trying to learn as much as I can, blah, blah, blah. He was like, oh, I was playing golf at Obama yesterday. And I obviously at that time when Obama was in power, he was like a rock star, right? I was like, you you know Barack Obama? He's like, yeah, I play golf with him all the time. I'm like, you know, I'm just fresh out of uni. You
0: know? <laughs> and this
1: dude is, is so senior at UBS. is amazing. He's taking time to speak yeah. to me and making sure I'm settled in and stuff. So my time at UBS was really great, the team over there. So I was split between New York, Connecticut, and New Jersey, all three, obviously different states. And it's, again, I, I feel I'm really fortunate with my career where it's so it's so polar opposite. So Mm. I'll go from a massive corporate, then I'll be a startup company, you know, or be with something in the middle or be a different industry. So sometimes people only see one way of some things, being
0: international
1: companies and traveling. It really helps a lot, especially when I speak to my clients as well, because they're all, they're all completely different.
0: Yeah. So after that massive experience, you know, it's, uh, it's, I really see, you know, what gives you so much, you know, experience when you break down, what you now do, which we're going to dive into uh, very, very quickly. Just before we actually go into that, you was you also at some point became a property investor. Yes. So how correct. did you yeah, yeah. how did you basically transform, you know, or, you know, or transition from having all these massive great accolades in a CV experience, you know, and, and now you transition into property. What made you make that decision?
1: So when I was contracting, uh, which was again great, you get to work at the biggest companies in the world and learn. Um, but it's, it can be sometimes quite volatile where sometimes you've got something, sometimes you haven't. And I got to a point in my career where I felt happy and confident that I've done, I've ticked them all off. I don't want to do it anymore. Um, so I was like, you know what? Just spend more time trying to learn property because that's kind of where all the rich and wealthy people are. Doesn't matter where you are in the world, property is always a big thing. So let me study it. Um, like many people, read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And I was like, okay, I have to do property. So I just went to loads of networking events, lots of training um, and went to different training providers and took it really seriously and then set up my own property business in 2019 um, to help investors find properties they might not know about or might not have the time to, to go and visit it. Now, I wish I knew about your training back then. But anyway, so a whole other story. But at least I get to spend time at your boot camp and I'd still absorb stuff with, like I said, you need to trademark your, your buyer refurbish Finance.
0: Absolutely. You need to trademark it's that because I don't know really, anyone
1: that's done really that. It's very unique, isn't it? Yeah, before all these other training providers steal it and call it something else. <laughs> Daniel started it first. Daniel Moses Residential Buyer Refurbish finance. and you can pay me later when we trademark it i told you to do that
0: thanks my brother for that recommendation man i appreciate it man so you made that transition into property you know and and eventually you know how how did that and you know how did that go and what how did you make the transition again back into finance
1: yeah so 2020 and it sounds years ago when covid we didn't know what covid was and then covid hit and i was like i want to get out of contracting let me again do property in a little bit more detail When I was speaking to investors about buying investment properties, always the same questions like, why are you doing it? And everyone, no matter what background, it's like, I want to do it for my family. Obviously, you want the cash flow from the rent, capital appreciation, but it's all legacy planning and all the other stuff. And when I was reading my mortgage qualification, CMAP, I was thinking, no one thinks about the long term. They kind of get into stuff and they kind of figure it out. So when I speak to my investors, it's like, I want to give it to my my children and and everything like that but if you don't have like the life insurance or the will or a trust like how is that going to happen and a lot of people think that if they pass away everything will get sorted out and it's really not the case at all and because i've got the corporate experience i can see how companies plan like 10 20 30 40 50 years in the future the day-to-day person really doesn't and if they don't, they're gonna be at disadvantage. So when I speak to clients, it's like, okay, five, 10, and I sit with them, like, how are we gonna plan this? Um, when I worked at Bosch, which is a German company, the Germans are very efficient in everything. They plan everything, there's always a plan. There's always a plan A, plan B, plan C. Because I was, even though I was there for a year, that really stuck with me about always planning stuff and being on the ball with, with figures and what they're gonna do. Um, and then the New York experience is, is a million miles an hour. We need stuff done now. It should have been done last week. And The rush and, and getting everything done really quickly, being a very entrepreneurial environment. I mean, I'm good at networking, but New Yorkers are on steroids. It's just, you know. America is on yeah. another level,
0: man. America is on another level. Yeah.
1: So I feel I brought that with me, even though my personal is a bit more laid back, but being around that for a year and just seeing stuff happen. Like if someone, if I met you, like, okay, let's go into property, like they'll just do it. They won't think twice about it. And then they'll just go, well, they'll fail and they'll keep going, they'll keep going. And that's the culture over there. And obviously British culture is a little bit more reserved and laid back, but if you do push the boundaries a little bit more, you do network it, you'll get get to where you want to be a lot quicker.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Great, so that's how you made the transition. You know, from the corporate world, the property, from property into becoming a financial, you know, you know, um, a specialist at the minute. So, I mean, let's break this down. What is actually financial protection? What does that mean? What does that even mean? Good question. <laughs> I don't even know so, what that means.
1: So financial protection is mainly protecting you. Um, It could be a variety of things. So life insurance is, is straightforward if you were to pass away your family or whoever you assign the life insurance to can get a tax-free lump sum, especially if you put it in trust, which we'll get to later. Um, if anything happens to you, you can't work, so income protection, so it's kind of like private sick pay. Um, if anything happens to you, you're in hospital. Let's say scenario, you're in hospital, but you're not. it's not critical. You're not going to die, but you might be in there for three months. Your bills still keep coming up. And... You need to protect your income. Like You are your, you're, you are the biggest asset, right? If Daniel Moses isn't there at the beginning bit, the company doesn't happen.
0: Yeah, you spoil as an example. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know, you've got to protect everything. And people sometimes don't view themselves as an asset. They think it's, yes, you've got property and yes, you've got like gold, silver, crypto, whatever, but you are yourself an asset. So for example, I think LeBron James spends a million dollars a year on his body because he has to be in peak condition and perform. Same thing with Ronaldo. There's anything of value is, is insured, um, because obviously if he's if he's not playing well on the, the basketball court or Ronaldo not playing on the football pitch, all these other endorsement deals and stuff don't happen. So you got to protect what
0: makes the the money basically, which is you. Wow, so financial protection means. Protecting yourself, having the right property, uh, having the right uh, appropriate, sorry, having the right and appropriate insurance policies to protect you. So let's break this down very quickly. Why should even an entrepreneur, someone who's not even started making money in his business, an entrepreneur just getting started, why should they even think about financial protection from the from the beginning?
1: The, the funny thing is, is we run around trying to work hard and and not necessarily understand finance and. You know, that's a bit cliche, the only certainty in, in life is death or taxes. Yeah. That's not true. I can help you not pay 40% inheritance tax yeah. if you need to know, message me. Um, but you're going to pass away at some point. So if that is going to happen, you can give your family a, a tax free lump sum within reason of what you earn for free, right? And that money is, again, that's real legacy building. So you could say, for example, I want X amount to go to my kids and I want... Um, I want to go to either like private school, uni, deposit for a house, business, whatever it is, because again, it's family planning, right? So that's a bit of my job I love the most. If you put the insurance bit to one side, it's speaking to parents um, about what do they want for their kids in the future, really getting them thinking, because we have a lot of people in property, a lot of parents killing themselves. And I'll just ask, like, did your kid even like property? And they're like, I don't know. Like the positive thing about you and your kids is your kids are here all the time. They're immersed in it, right? It's not going to be a transition. They know what you're doing every day. They're getting the skills. They don't even realize it. But some parents are just building this portfolio and then the kids, you know, they might not even be financially literate to run the company. What's the point? But when they when I speak to them, it gets the parent thinking, okay, yes, no, well, maybe I should give it to my niece or my nephew. But again, it's planning because Elon Musk is flying to Mars, right? They planned that. They're doing all this stuff, all this electric cars. They've been planning stuff for, for decades that we don't realize. Absolutely. And, and what I want to bring is my corporate experience to so just anybody, the everyday person, like, look, do this, put it in a trust, do this, do that. Like plan for the worst, right? Obviously we don't want the worst to happen, but mm. it's planned. And then the financial crash of 2008, 2009 was huge. It changed. It's changed everything going forward.
0: Yeah. Wow, wow, wow. So let's let's talk about the mis- misconception that a lot of people have, especially, especially, um, I'll echo this, I can't echo this enough, you know, especially when it comes to the ethnic minority,
1: right.
0: the black community, you know, you know, and it, I'm not too sure of the Asian community, but I want to really hammer on the black community because I, you know, I mean, I'm in a lot of networks, you know, where, you know, people don't, even realize the importance of having a simple thing as a will and people don't even have the importance, for example, of having, you know, life insurance, you know, income protection insurance, you know, the misconception in this whole financial protection, you know, what would your reaction be to that? What would you want to say about that?
1: I get a lot of it, I mean, you know, I'm Sierra Leone and I'm West African. Um, to obviously you have coming from Nigeria. If you talk about death, people feel you're preempting it. And obviously, we know, that's not the case, right? We talk about life in general, obviously don't expect to drop dead tomorrow, but it's like, like I said earlier, like it's guaranteed to happen. We just don't know when. It's destiny, isn't it? So why would you not plan for that and put yeah. contingencies in place? And again, it's with the legacy planning, it's multi-generational, right? So you could be a grandparent, you've got your kids, you've got your grandkids. That's a hundred years worth of family that someone can plan right so and again because i've been on the property circuit for about four years everyone's so invested in property which is fine and i'm there to financial protection goes alongside your property journey but have the end in mind that makes it easier so even me with, with my property if anything happens i know the family is good they've got it if my nieces let's say so my nieces need to, to go to university in, in london they're living at my place rent free like why would i want my nieces paying rent for to waste the money so that me buying one property helps my nieces, helps my all these other people in my family. That's the, that's a, that's why we love property so much, right? Yeah. Um, but again, if something happened and I couldn't pay the mortgage, hence why life insurance is normally attached to the mortgage, then the property is going to get repossessed, it's going to be put in auction. Yeah. And at the bottom of every single mortgage statement, it says, if you do not keep up with your repayments, your property can and will be repossessed. It's there in black and white, but no one really pays attention to it. So my, my job as a financial protection buyer is like, look, my job is to help you to make sure your property portfolio does not end up in auction. Because, you know, I don't really like auctions because someone's had misfortune financially and then you're selling the property, you know, lower than what it really is just to get paid. And who's getting paid? It's the lender. So again, I don't want anyone to to go for it because you put so much time and energy and effort buying that property someone else can take that off you because you don't own it because you still have the mortgage to pay. And we might buy-to-let investors, yes, your tenants are paying the, the a bit of the mortgage, they're interest. That capital, that big balloon payment is, is due in 25, 30 years. Like then what? Even if you're alive, like what is your strategy 25, 30 years down the line? Because I know some people where they haven't thought about it and they've had to sell the portfolio and then you're paying capital gains tax and all these other fees, which if you planned it properly, you, sh- you shouldn't be doing that properties forever. That's why
0: we're in it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you mentioned something there just now, right? You know, a lot of people, you know, if something was to happen, you know, the house is bought off, you know, it just, the house is paid off rather than actually selling it. And then it goes to someone, you know, you love and you, you know, if something was to happen to someone now, in this particular case, it's not just the financial protection, is it, that just, you know, because you have an insurance policy and then you pay off that mortgage or the insurance pay off, pays off the mortgage. But, you know, how important, what's the important you know of a will in this whole process? Because, yes, the, the insurance can pay off, you know, the debt, but, you know, the inheritance is not automatic, is it? Yeah, Without correct. a will, the correct. government comes in as well.
1: Yeah, wills are important as well because wills is more um, a case of you um, deciding what's going to happen, right? So if you have possessions, things like that, who gets what, how is it divided? It's kind of like a plan. But I feel a will is kind of telling people what to do. Absolutely. But, you know, telling someone what to do and obviously, like I said, but bills still come out. So for me, life insurance is kind of, not more important than the will, but it's a financial piece, right?
0: Don't, don't then the two then go hand in hand. They go hand in so hand, yeah. So do you have the protection? You have the will. Because if the will is not there, if you've got the protection, the governments are going to come in and make that decision, yeah, isn't correct. it? Correct, yeah. Or so, you have to go to, um, what's it called again now?
1: What, probate? Yes, go go yeah. to probate. Correct. So with your point on will, this is really important if you have children, because people just assume, oh, so-and-so is going to take a look after my child. You don't know if, if they're going to want to do that yeah. Number one. And number two, with there's a there's an insurance product called family income benefit, which is really important if you have young children. Because let's say, um, hypothetically, you pass away, you've got two kids, you want someone else to look after them. If the person that you're giving your kids to look after already has two kids of their own and you give them your two, that's four kids you've got to look after, yeah. especially in London and you haven't given that person any money to help look after your kids, it's really tricky. So again, it's not to scare people, It just put things in place, plan it. and Obviously hopefully that it never happens, but if it does, there's kind of like a, a process that you've explained with everyone. So with all my clients before the policy goes live, I always say, I send them an email about trust, how they work. But I always say like, make sure you have the conversation with those people all at the same time. Because, as you probably know, when someone passes away in in African society, sometimes it's a bit of a madness.
0: And for the point of. but yeah, I with the point of the will
1: me. as well, you're stipulating who gets what. Yeah, you can't have someone come out the woodwork and say, "I'm entitled to this, 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 this." Yeah, and that happens a lot. So the will kind of prevents that as well.
0: Yeah, you know, you, you say that just now when someone, you know, especially the, you, know, the, you know the you know the ethnic minority, especially black community, we 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 see this all the time where someone passes away, and then there is no money to do the funerals. The church is that called into it. Let's donate some money, fifty pounds, hundred pounds to try and look after that person or for example um, you know um, the, the, if you're Muslim the mosque community everybody's trying to donate money obviously that's because there is no financial planning because if there's financial planning the uh, insurance should pay for the funeral pay for whatever that's left isn't it and then you know look after the family basically that's how obviously the wealth is transferred isn't it
1: yeah and you're right you know there shouldn't really be a go for me situation Because if everyone's forking out all this money, it's like you could have just had the policy. And um, some clients might say, okay, the the policy is higher than we think. If it's going to your beneficiaries and they're of a certain age, right? Why can't they pay for the policy, right? Same thing when you're buying a property and obviously it's getting more and more expensive. A lot of parents are gifting the deposit. So, you know, you can come together because it's it's multi-generational, right? Like someone else is gonna benefit from it. Wow,
0: interesting. So what what do you think is the biggest challenge when people, whether it's ethnic minority, whether it's, you know, Caucasian, you know, whoever's listening to this podcast right now, why do you think a lot of people don't actually have or understand the importance of financial planning?
1: People, again, I think they find it boring, which is which is kind of, I kind of get why they think that. But again, like we said, you're going to pass away at some point. It's perception. So when I speak to people and say, Have you got mobile phone insurance? Yeah. Have you got car insurance? Yeah. Home insurance? Yeah. Insurance on yourself? No. Because, you know, car insurance, you don't get the money back. But with life insurance, people expect you to get the money. Like it it doesn't work like that. It's to prevent prevent anything negative happening that your family and your loved ones are financially like well off. They don't have to sell anything, right? People just don't think about it. And even during COVID, people used to say to me, oh, it must be better now for insurance. Like no, people are still... Saying they don't need it or they're too busy, or it's too, all these misconceptions. But the thing is, you know, we, we always talk about studying rich and wealthy people, yeah. they're using this to help people. And um, I did a clubhouse stream a couple months ago, and someone said they had um, a life insurance payout. Pay and it, number one, all four children got detached houses in London. Like, how are you doing that now? Like, that's expensive. But that life insurance policy is giving that person's children, number one, detached houses in London, which are going to go up in value. And two, they don't have the pressure of paying a mortgage, right? Because they're paid. Yeah. So most of us, our main struggle is, whether you're employed or self-employed, is, is rent mortgage. You're trying to, that's the main thing. So if you look at a life of something negative happening, and then someone has a life where they never have to worry about, someone's kicking them out of where they live. That's a whole nother way to live life. What's your second highest bill? What Netflix? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like what are you really spending your money on? If if your rent or mortgage is paid for and no one's kicking out your house, you can view the world differently.
0: And 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 the funniest thing about what you're saying right now, and insurance policies, let's just say, for example, a thousand pounds a year, that's the average cost of an insurance policy. And most people, most people go on holiday, most people buy clothes. At least an average you know, a middle-class person spend an average of about 10,000 pounds on clothing a year.
1: I, I, like you said, I think it's misconception. People, they're looking at how much they're paying each month and not the value of look. I mean, for my example, right? I'm not married, I don't have any kids. So my mum said to me, you know, you've worked so hard to buy your, your property in London in your 20s. If anything happens to you, like, what about your sister? I was like, I didn't really think about that. Like, you need to do it for your sister, right? So now I feel... Number one, it took me ages to get to speak to her because anytime I brought up she started crying, I was like, I'm not gonna die. I was like, I'm not dying, I need to plan this right. And then I got my older cousin as well to to be a trustee on the on the life insurance. But to me, worst case scenario, like I said, my sister inherits a property in London, there's no mortgage, there's no rent. She can live in it if she wants, she doesn't have to live in it. She rents out, that's cash flow. Either way, the family's still winning. Absolutely. Right. And I'm the youngest one in the family doing that.
0: Now let's very quickly break this into portfolio investors. All right, people who own multiple properties value in millions. So, for example, I know someone, uh, you know, who is one of my biggest motivation and he owns, you know, he's not a UK person, but is is abroad. So, for example, he owns real estate, you to, know, to five billion dollars in the US. So how does someone has owned so many multiple properties and they're going to be owned by an SPV? which is a limited liability company or in a corporate structure, how does that person protect that entire portfolio?
1: It would probably be the same thing, but it might be a different strategy where he might have cash elsewhere to maybe cover it as well. So with someone, something that big, he might not necessarily say, look, everything paid off. He might say some of them at the portfolio, like what's performing badly, right? Because we know with property, it's a bell curve. He might say these top 10, like, yeah, cool, we want to keep that. Those ones don't really want anymore. We might get rid of it. But it gives you options because it's a cash, it's a tax-free lump sum. So you he might that person might say hypothetically, okay, my kid is into art or tech. There's a million for you to go and do this and do that. It doesn't have to go necessarily to all the property, it depends. But most people, the average person, your residential is huge, right? If you're doing the bite lot on a smaller scale, like that's important. Yeah. Once you get to that level, um, you can diversify and do things a little bit differently.
0: Great. What about the tax implication of having that financial protection? So if someone, to, if someone was to pass away, let's really talk about someone passing away or something happened to someone or, you know, you lose your income. Is that, mon- is that money that's being paid by the financial protection, for example, insurance, as you mentioned here, uh, breaking it deep down, um, is the money come from insurance? Is it taxable?
1: Yeah. No. Okay. So I want to highlight two things, right? In the UK, if you're a single person, your nil rate band, which means the amount that you don't pay tax on is 325000 If you're a married couple, it's 650000 right? But if you have property in London, whether you're single or together, you're probably going to go over that. So even So that means if you pass away, anything over that will get taxed at 40%. So with properties going up and up and up and up, more and more people are going to get caught in that four percent inheritance tax. So that's why I always get my clients when the policy is live, like make sure you put it in a trust with the life insurance policy and that will be free. And I help them like go through all the process of doing that because if you're paying this money every month for your family, you might as well do it in the most tax efficient way. Absolutely. Yeah, but I think with your point, because it's, it's more awareness, people don't know
0: about it, you're going to get caught in the 40% inheritance tax. Great, great, great. So you're saying there's a way to plan it, there's a way to structure it in order for you not to be financially protected, you know, in a way where you think, oh, I've actually done it, it's protected. My, my family's going to be looked after, but yet yeah, the tax comes knocking on the door correct, correct. and the money's yeah. gone. Yeah.
1: And, you know, I think there have been calls for them to increase the inheritance tax banding for the past 10 years and they haven't. Because again, if you look, take London as an example, even if you've got a studio in West London, it's going to cover more than three, two, five, right? And then you've got all your other assets on top of that, right? You're going to get taxed. But this is a way that, again, this product has been around hundreds of years, but because the perception of it isn't positive, people don't look at it and they don't want to know. And if, you, if you're if you not financially aware, then you're going to, number one, you everything you're, you're trying to, buy especially properties it's going to go in auction and two even if you do have the, the life insurance you don't put it in trust not efficient because you're paying four percent tax so if we took, take the insurance to one side i like speaking to clients to make sure they plan and think of things especially my clients that have children about having a guardian and speaking to the guardian and having things in place like that's really important because i'm going to review the the insurance with them every year anyway so the plan is we do the insurance once we don't have to change it but life happens right if you have another child that will change if you've got another job which is more money that will change Daniel you're going to be worth 200 million soon your insurance is not going to pay out what it is it's going to keep changing it's it's a annual thing so like I said my job is to go side by side with whatever business or property things people are doing it's there to help you it's not a negative thing
0: Absolutely. So it's no negative thing. Get yourself protected. You know. You know. Protect your legacy. You know. Obviously, build an empire. Protect. The most important is build an empire. Protect the empire. Build a legacy. Protect the legacy. And the most important thing is successfully transition that legacy to the next generation.
1: Property in the UK it keeps on going up and up and up. And even if you're on a really good salary, it's going to be difficult. So I feel. Even when I was living in New York, in Manhattan, like I said to the, the Columbia students, are you gonna buy here? And everyone kind of laughed, like same thing in Hong Kong, cause it's so expensive. Like let's say West London, even if you're on a really good site, you're never gonna be able to afford it. So with property, you're gonna need that family help, right? So if you're getting some inheritance, it's gonna help you kickstart that and keep it, keep it in the family. So I think now more than ever, I think life insurance is important just to like, maintain property and also to acquire more in the future for the future
0: generations. Absolutely. I couldn't agree anything less. You know, this is quite spot on, man. Like, literally, this is so much value, so much information, just educating people the reason why they should get financial, financially protected. You know, it's all well and good. You want to make money. You know, it, it's all well and good. You want to have that financial freedom. It's all well and good that you want to, you know, really become successful. But, Success without education, when the worst is to happen, still leaves the family poor. So it's all about, you know, making that, you know, generational transformation. But
1: but even now, right, let's say you're a builder or you're doing something quite physical, right, with income protection. If you, like, break your arm and you can't do your building job, your income stops. So people that, especially if you're doing a very physical job, doesn't matter what it is, if you can't physically work through your job, your income stops. You're the main asset. So... I always try and stress that especially with people that are self-employed where they don't have an employer paying sick pay for them and then you know you need to do all these things so you you keep make sure the money keeps coming in right so that's the the main thing so yeah yeah, income protection is really important
0: you know you know funny enough you say this I I became quite exposed uh, to financial protection but I think if I'm right now you know in the last seven years or eight years now I've been exposed to financial protection but I wasn't, you know, I wasn't aware that another name for it is financial protection. I just say, oh, insurance.
1: <laughs> the reason why we don't say insurance is because people switch off. That's the real reason. If oh. I say insurance, everyone wants to talk to me. If I say financial protection. There's a little bit of intrigue, and then again, it's more than than insurance. It's assets. It's legacy planning. It's wills. It's trust. It's more diverse than that. Yeah. It's not going money supermarket and get the cheapest thing.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean. You just mentioned going on this supermarket to get the cheapest thing or go online to just find the cheapest thing in the market. So why is it really important to work with a specialist like yourself?
1: Uh, Number one, I'm whole of market, so I'm not biased to any provider. And the the really important thing is all my clients are medically underwritten. So you might have a health condition, right? And if you need to claim, a provider might say, oh, you've had this and we're not going to pay out. But because we've done all the medical questions beforehand, both parties are very clear. So that's sometimes why I don't really think it's good to do stuff online if it's not medically underwritten. Number two, like I'm a specialist in this as well. I'm going to give you good advice. Like I said, I'm impartial. I'll educate you on how to put it in trust. I'll help you put it in trust. And sometimes when you go online, it's kind of you by yourself. And again, you don't know what you don't know.
0: Yeah, which is what's killing a lot of people. People don't know what they don't know. Wow! 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 So much value, Adrian. Thank you so much, uh, for coming to the wealth and business podcast. You know, definitely we're going to be bringing you back on episode number two, because listen, we can't just give you all the information on one episode because we don't. Two, one well, number one, we don't want it to to be too long and too boring. Number three, uh, we don't want it to be like, oh, this this is just. You know too much. We want to break it down. So definitely going to be breaking your episode number two, and also you also have been a guest uh, as well in multiple of our property training programs, including our networking event where you have also spoken you as a guest speaker uh, in our just completed wealth uh, business networking event, uh, which is uh, you know down in central London. You know just to see you know what you're doing and, and just educating people. It's you know about how to get protected and keep that wealth. Uh, so you can actually also transfer that wealth to the generation after you and after you to come. It's just so super, super, super amazing. So uh, just before we go, Adrian, you know, uh, just one question I'd like to ask you then. So we obviously we kind of spoke about property builders. Uh, you know, some people might be listening to this and like, okay, oh, I'm not a property investor. I'm not a builder. What about financial protection for, for everyone?
1: Okay, good question. Okay, financial protection normally gets a link to property because the mortgage is normally the biggest debt that you have, but the biggest misconception is you don't need a property or a mortgage to have life insurance. So I could be 18 and say, look, if anything happens to me, my family gets a million pounds. Now a million pounds sounds scary and a big figure, but when you draw down into it and how healthy you are and how much you earn, it it can be quite affordable. And again, that's a tax-free lump sum in what's written in trust that your family gets to, to plan for different things. It doesn't have to be property.
0: Great. You know what? Whilst you're just saying this, something just flashed into my brain. So we're talking about, okay, the parents protecting. Listen, children die these days. Children get sick these days. Things happen to children these days. And that's the truth. You know, as a parent, would you say, not just protect yourself, protect your wife? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, 100%. You know, would you also say, protect your children too?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Especially there's a product that we didn't touch on called critical illness cover. So I was watching TV the other day and it says in the UK, one in two of us are going to get cancer, right? Which is awful. And you should really be spending that time getting better and and not worrying about bills and things like that. And, you know, you've got situations where someone gets really sick and it doesn't even matter if they're the main breadwinner or not, they can't pay the mortgage or rent or whatever. And it's just, it's a downward spiral. And, When you are sick, like you want to focus on getting better. You don't want to worry about bills. So that's why critical illness cover is really important. Um, I had a client last week, I think his daughter was two years old and she got cancer, but they claimed on it. I was like, that's amazing. Like, you you know, obviously it works, but it's perception. That's not going to be everywhere, right? That's not going to get any likes or any reshares and things like that. Um, it's, It's all about perception of it. Um, but it, that, that's another product that's just, which is really, really important. I know I have it because again, in the African community, um, prostate cancer is a big thing. Um, so I'm just thinking, look, if I just have the critical that's coming now and I have to worry about it when I'm older, um, yeah, I just, I made sure I've got mine basically. Everything. Yeah. Everything. And also because I'm passionate about the products and what I do, it's like, I've, I've got it. So some clients I'll just send them like, look, this is my policy and just explain like the different bits of, of what it means.
0: Great, great, great. Thank you so much, Adrian, on coming on the Wealth and Business uh, Podcast. Uh, I just want to say thank you. I know you're a busy guy. And, you know, I want to, you know, you know say, you know, massive, massive thank you for coming to our studios today in Central. Uh, in- Oh, Did I just about to you, say Central You said Central Wow you're,
1: you're thinking of the next office I'm This is Daniel I'm actually thinking about The next, next office, office wow. Yeah. wow 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 I wouldn't be surprised If, yeah, uh, if Daniel Central has London. an office In, in Knightsbridge or the, Mayfair, in Mayfair. Yeah, I absolutely. Surprise,
0: Yeah I can't wait <laughs> <laughs> So yeah Um you know coming to the studio in Lewisham, in London and I'm just super you know excited for this so guys if you found this episode really useful don't worry we're going to bring Adrian back on episode number two where we're going to ask more questions you know for your you know for your um Clarity and creating, you know, you know, you know, you know, your own personal financial protection for yourself, your wife, your children, your entire family—very, very important. I'm protected, so and Adrian is the man. He's obviously got me protected and everything. So I just, you know, thought bring him on. You know, not just kind of protecting myself, but obviously protect my community. share with you know other people who are listening. You know, black, white, Asian, whoever you are. You know, reach out to Adrian. You know, you know to to kind of you know get to you know, get his bespoke services where he kind of go through in depth on how to see, you know, you know, your personal case because insurance or financial protection is basically on a case-by-case basis. So how can people reach you?
1: Yeah, so on Instagram, it's Adrian B Finance, uh, Facebook, Adrian B Finance, LinkedIn, Adrian Benjamin, CMAP, and then Clubhouse. I've got my own Clubhouse room, Property and Finance, every Wednesday at 7 p.m., and we've got guests from different parts of um, property and obviously finance coming together. So things like bridging, um, I've had a will specialist on there, um, Petra Foster did support living, which is getting more, um, more interest from people. So yeah, every week, something completely different, um,
0: which is going to help you on your property journey, really. Fantastic. So guys, you hear from the man himself, the financial Master, I call him the financial king. I call him so. If you find it useful, make sure to reach out to Adrian. Thank you, Adrian, for coming. But just guys, before we go, don't forget on this year 2022, we're looking forward to hosting our first business and wealth summit coming up in November 2022. And so, we're looking forward to hosting our first property, wealth, and business. Awards where we're going to be, you know, awarding and you know, you know, people who are doing massively well in the, you know, in the industry, in business industry, in property industry, people who are really winning, you know, just to kind of praise them as well. You know, it, it's it's um, it feels joyful and great to be, you know, to be recognized by any hard work that people do. Kind of put put aside. I personally am be very very fortunate enough to have, you know, received. You know an award, and also just about a couple of uh, you know uh, a week ago, uh, you know I've just been so super excited that I've just been awarded a doctorate business award uh, in a university in in America where I've been given this doctorate you know a decoration. Where you know a couple of weeks time, fingers crossed, I will now receive that uh, award where be, you know I'll be identified as Doctor Daniel Moses. So I'm so super excited for this. So you know it just goes to show like anyone actually anyone you know can continue to be recognized in you know whatever credit you're bringing to your society so keep your head up all right continue to win and we'll see you on the next episode guys take care if you found this useful share this with a friend of a friend share this with your family your loved ones you know shout about it you know wealth and business podcast becoming number one so see you soon guys take care